Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Today, Rob Morosco talks about joy and shares with us God's Word from Psalm 16. I read in a book recently this quote, Happiness doesn't make you grateful. Gratefulness makes you happy. And Thanksgiving Day is coming up next week, and so today's song at the end is a medley of Thanksgiving songs arranged by Sibling Harmony. Here's Pastor Rob. Joy. Last week, we started a new series in Psalms and Proverbs and marrying them up with the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And, and last week, Pastor Hudson started with the fruit of love. And today, we're going to look at joy. Now, I know that laughter is not the same thing as joy and that concept of happiness, but at least a little bit of laughter helps to set the tone for what we're going to be talking about today. Psalm chapter 16 is the main focus for us as we look at this. So if you have your Bible open, Psalm 16, we're going to read through this psalm and then we're going to come back and pick it apart. A miktam, which is a musical term of David, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good, let's start that again, I have no good apart from you. So, so David just lays this out there right away. God, when I think about everything else that's going on in life, when I think about all the other things that are happening, when I think about everything else that might bring me joy or, or be good, David says, I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their name on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart also is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As we make our way through uh, this psalm and through this topic, uh, we're going to answer a few questions, and they're up here on the screen for you. Uh, what steals your joy? What brings you joy? And then a little bit of a twist there at the end. What brings God joy? So what steals your joy? What brings you joy? And what brings God joy? But I think to be able to go back to the very beginning and understand what David is saying once again in verse 2, David says, I have no good apart from you. Now, I know that, you know, here in a safe crowd, right, we could say, well, of course, pastor, you're going to say that you have no good apart from God because here we are sitting in church and we're all followers of Jesus, so that's where we find our good. And yes, it sounds nice. But what I want to do today is take some time to evaluate, is that a true statement in general for everybody that there's no good apart from God? And, and then the conclusion would be, well, then it's only in God that we can find joy. 
which is where the psalmist will take us. So we have David in Psalm 16, verse 2, saying, I have no good apart from you. And then there's the contrast. When we look at this psalm, in verse 4, this is what it says. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. And do you see the contrast? Joy is what we're talking about. And then David says, but there's sorrow. And the sorrow comes for those who run after or chase after another God. Let's play this out. Two billion dollars. Someone this week won a two billion dollar lottery payout. That's mind blowing. It's beyond my comprehension. We still don't know who the person is, but as I was reading a little bit to try and figure out what this person might potentially do with $2 billion, some of the things that came out about lottery winners were fairly consistent. Many of the lottery winners don't want anyone to know who they are because they start being harassed immediately by everyone. They're subject to identity theft as people try and take away those millions and billions that they win. They start contacting family members and friends and harassing them. It ends up being a huge burden for people who are so blessed to win a lottery like that. And you know the stories. You can read them. So many of the people who win huge payouts like that in a very short time end up being in financially worse circumstances than they were before. If you are running after or chasing after a big payout... The sorrows of those who run after another God only multiply. I realize I say this to a mixed crowd. Back in the 1950s and 60s, the promise of the sexual revolution. We chase freedom and expression. You can do whatever you want with whoever you want, wherever you want, however you want. We're free. But you start looking at the effects of that, and you talk to people who've had partner after partner after partner after partner, and they haven't experienced joy. Instead, what they experience is loneliness and hurt and pain, sorrows, upon sorrows that multiply. And I know that this is still fairly new and very much controversial. But today, for people to say, I can choose whatever gender I want, I can choose whatever identity I want, I can be whoever I want to be, all in this desire to please yourself. And what we have found is that people are being harmed terribly, physically, mentally, emotionally, as they chase after, run after 
some kind of concept of what will fill them or fulfill them or make them whole. And it only leads to sorrow after sorrow. And, and now we hear the stories about people whose bodies have been damaged permanently because of a decision that they made, relationships that have been torn apart. Now look, I know that there are exceptions. There are some exceptions where people have really found happiness. But they're exceptions. And instead, what we find consistently is this, the sorrows of those who run after other gods. Well, it only multiplies. And if your other god happens to be a team that's located up north, and you think your happiness is found in them, well, then this year really is a sad year. You, you put these things first, and, and even if you get it, the, the word that's translated there, run after, can also be translated, and you might see it in your notes, can also be translated obtain or gain. So it's not just chasing after, it's actually getting what you think you want. If you're chasing after anything other than God, it will only add sorrow to sorrow to sorrow. They will multiply. And I don't think anybody's chasing sorrow, right? Nobody wants to be sad. We want joy. So if chasing after anything other than God leads only to multiplied sorrows, then where do we find our joy? This is where the psalmist picks things up. If you go down to verse 11, which Wendy Sue read earlier, this is what the psalmist concludes, and it's so good that I think we should read this together. This is our verse to remember. Will you read with me? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there is Come on, it's up there on the screen. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of joy. Not just a hint of it. The psalmist says, in your presence, God, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are... Doesn't that sound good? In contrast to sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow, the psalmist says, God, in you, in your presence, is fullness of joy. Joy. Since that is true, then what does the psalmist do? Back up a few verses. In, Psalm, in, in verse chapter 5, this is what the psalmist says. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. And, and just look at the words, my chosen portion. The, the psalmist is saying this is like the best of the best, the best cut of meat, the best bottle of wine, the best custard, whatever it might be, the Lord is my chosen one. He's the best. And so what is the psalmist going to do? Verse 8, I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. I have set the Lord always before me. 
The psalmist says, Lord, if it's in your presence that I find fullness of joy, then I'm going to set you always before me. He is making a choice, a decision to pursue God because in God's presence is fullness of joy, and the psalmist wants joy, and so he pursues God. He opts for God. He sets Him before Him all the time. Now, look, I'll just be honest. I don't set the Lord before me all the time. Yesterday, I admit, I sat down and watched college football. I like college football. But the truth is, if college football was the most important thing to me in life, then I'm not setting the Lord before me, and I'm only going to multiply sorrow after sorrow after sorrow. The psalmist says, God, you're the one who gives fullness of joy, so I'm going to set you before me. What are you setting before you? And is it the Lord that leads to fullness of joy, or is it something else that will ultimately only end in sorrow? The psalmist, he gets down and he says, Lord, I have set you before me, and then this is what happens. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My whole being rejoices. Now, I know some of you were were laughing at the Tim Hawkins video. Um, That was like 50 seconds of a clip. If you were to watch the whole thing, by the end, your sides are hurting because you're laughing, right? That's what it means to, to have your whole being rejoice. And maybe you've experienced that or been there where you're just your whole being is caught up in this laughter, this joy. The psalmist says, that's what, what's happening, God. When I have you, my whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. And then we get back to that verse. You make known to me the path of life. Oh, and there it is. Why is it that the presence of God leads to fullness of joy? Because the Lord makes known to us the path of life, not a path that leads to death, not a path that leads to misery, not a path that leads to sorrow, but you've made known to me the path of life. And so the psalmist concludes, in your presence there is what? And at your right hand are? pleasures forevermore. So now we've answered the question, what steals your joy, chasing anything other than God? What brings you joy? The psalmist says it's being in the presence of God, having God. That last question that I want to ask is, so what brings God joy? And I think this is worth asking, because if we're going to be in the presence of God, then, then we shouldn't want to know what makes Him filled with joy. Luke chapter 15 If you would turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories here, all with the same point. In Luke chapter 15, it's called the lost chapter, not because it somehow got misplaced, but because that's the theme. And Jesus tells three stories. The first story is about a man who has a hundred sheep. And this man, he is out in the fields with his sheep, and one of those sheep goes wandering off. And this man, he leaves the 99 sheep. And he goes off in pursuit of that one lost sheep. And he searches everywhere he can. He goes everywhere he can. He faces whatever danger he needs to in order to find that lost sheep. And when he finds that lost sheep, well, this is what we read. Luke chapter 15. When he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. 
Then Jesus says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. What does the man do when he finds the sheep? He rejoices. He throws a party so that other people can rejoice with him. And God says, oh, by the way, this is really what I'm talking about. There will be more joy in heaven among the angels over one sinner who does what? Repents. In other words, one person who is separated from God, who then says, I'm sorry, God, I need you, and is brought into a relationship into the presence of God. There's more rejoicing in heaven. In other words, God finds great joy over one person who repents than over 99 who don't need to. Then just to make sure that we get the point of the story, Jesus says, oh, and there was this woman, this woman who had 10 coins, 10 silver coins, and while she's in her house, she drops one and she loses it. That woman goes to work and she sweeps her entire house, cleans the whole thing up until she finds that one coin. This is what happens when she finds that one coin. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. What does the woman do when she finds the coin? She rejoices. And this isn't about a woman and a coin. Jesus says, in the same way, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in heaven among the angels over one sinner who repents. What brings God joy? When someone who repents, when someone repents. What brings God joy? When someone is brought into his presence through that process of repentance where they understand that God is the one who has the path of life. So now we know what steals joy is when we run after, chase after, even get the things that are apart from God. What brings us joy is when we are in the presence of God. And what brings God joy is when, well, when He brings us into His presence. So here's your challenge. If there is something you are running after, chasing after, that is not honoring to God, but only multiplies sorrow after sorrow, repent. If there is something that you are pursuing in your life, that takes you further away from the presence of God rather than toward God, then repent. Admit it and give it up. Turn to Jesus Christ who has the path of life. Now, I know we don't talk about this very often, but the reality is if you are chasing something other than God, you will only end up in sorrow. And the only way to change that is to repent and to turn to God. And the promise of God is that when we repent, we find in Him the path of life. We find in Him forgiveness. Now, on the other hand, if there is someone that you know someone in your family, a friend, a neighbor, someone that you work with 
who is chasing after, running after something that is only leading them to sorrow, then bring God joy. Bring God joy by going to them. Bring God joy by helping them to understand that God loves them and longs for them to be in His presence and talk to them about Jesus. Because there are so many people in this world who are chasing something that leads only to sorrow. And you have the opportunity to bring God joy by leading that person to Jesus. And in the end, well, when, when we come to Jesus in repentance or when someone else comes to Jesus in repentance, they don't find a God who wants to dump more sorrow on them. Instead, they find the one who gives them life. They find Jesus Christ who loves them and forgives them. They find Jesus Christ who wraps his arms around them. That's the next parable in Luke chapter 15. The father who goes running to his son and says, come on back. And in that Jesus, in that God, in his presence, well, the psalmist says it, in your presence is fullness of joy. And that's not so much momentary laughter as it is eternal. We have, uh, we've been making our way through the Bible, and um, we've done now love in connection to the Psalms and joy. And now this week, I invite you to discover peace. As you read through these Psalms, Watch for the peace that God offers. Listen for it in what you read. And see how God continues to grow this fruit as you come into his presence and into his word. Now, as we finish up this part this morning, I have an invitation for you. Really, an invitation for you. We, we just talked about extending that invitation to someone else who might be hurting and chasing after sorrow. Here's what I would love for you to do, to reach out to someone. Over these next few weeks, I think there's going to be opportunities. It's not that I think it. We know that over the holiday times, people are often much more open to a conversation about faith. we got Thanksgiving coming up in a week and a half. And when you're gathered with your family or with your friends, you're probably going to talk about reasons why you're thankful. Why not talk about Jesus? Why not share with the people who are around you, you know what, I have joy because I've been in the presence of God. Then the next holiday that shows up is Christmas. And um, again, this is a time when people are often open to talking about faith things. Why not extend an invitation to someone to meet Jesus? Maybe here in a worship service, but I guess maybe even more importantly, extend an invitation to them to meet Jesus in your own life, in your own conversations with them, so that they too can enter into the presence of God and have the fullness of joy. We've got some invitation cards for you. On your way out, 
ushers are going to hand them to you. You can take one. You can take a hundred. I don't care. We'll print more. But if you've got people that you want to talk to about Jesus, people that you know are chasing after something that's leading only to sorrow, maybe take the opportunity to enter into a conversation with them and maybe invite them to come and meet Jesus here or in your own family, in your own home, in your own life. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. When I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Oh!